everyone. Welcome to another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Today's topic is going to be a little bit different, and I think you're going to like it. You know, I'm sure your news feed, timeline, conversations, etc., have all been flutter, flooded uh, last couple of weeks with stressful subjects, namely the election. And uh, it's really been going on for months. And so what we want to do is take a break from that. And we're not going to do anything related to employee benefits or HR or anything like that uh, or the election uh, on this episode. We're going to take some time to focus on some of the funny, odd, and sometimes wonderful things that have been happening recently that have, have probably been overlooked by most of us while we're trying to scroll past the dark and gloomy news reports that have dominated over the last couple of months. So, um, so Ron Theriel, good friend and colleague of mine, is here to help me run through some of these top stories that will hopefully bring a smile to your face. And we're going to take the next 20, 25 minutes or so, whatever it might be, to escape for a little bit and give you an update on the good that's happening, the good and the strange that's happening out there in our world. And we're also joined by, I finally convinced our producer, Kayla, uh, to join us and help us run through these stories and so Kay Kayla and Ron, you ready to go? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do this. All right. First up, we have a story across the pond and this mom is being hailed as a hero for the genius place that she hides her candy stash from her kids as the second lockdown due to the coronavirus begins. I'm gonna let you guys take a stab at where you think she's hiding that chocolate. Well, if she's, if she, <laughs> If she's anything like my mom, um, you know, we it used to move around. We had four kids, so it was in the pots and pans. It was on top of the uh, the cabinets. It was uh, on top of the fridge. Uh, but then we got too tall. And we found that pretty easy. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think my mom would have covered all of the bases, but you never know. I, look, I can't even venture to guess because I had no idea that this was such a such a chronic, like an epidemic of kids eating all their parents' candy. Uh, and maybe it's because, uh, <laughs> you know, Ron, you know this, like my mom, she would give out popcorn and apples for Halloween. I, I would hang my, my, my head in shame for two weeks after Halloween. Uh, so there was never, there, there was never candy in the house to hide. <laughs> When you got on with, with the cruel kids in the neighborhood, when you got on the school bus the next day and you were driving down the street, you're just like, why are all these apples on my street? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe she's hiding it. Uh, maybe she's hiding it in the wood pile out in the garage or something. All right. Close, close. Um, but actually, and it's funny, uh, it's also a place that her partner wouldn't look either. Um, so she's hiding it not only from her kids, but um, her partner. It's actually in an egg carton in the fridge. <laughs> she's hiding her eggs in an egg carton. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that that just tells her that nobody besides her and the family makes breakfast. Now that it's been broadcast all over the country and all over the world, um, so much for that hiding spot. The cat's out of the bag now. She's going to have to find a new hiding spot. All right, let's bring this conversation local. Um, so do we remember Buddy the Beefalo? Our good friend from the summer. Yeah, this is that, uh, that would-be uh, local buffalo that escaped captivity, so to speak. Oh, yeah? What, what about it, Kayla? What's going on with, 
So, so give a quick rundown. The backstory here is that Buddy fled the loading dock of his slaughterhouse in Plymouth, Connecticut back in August. And he's been on the run ever since. And I say run lightly because he is a thousand pounds, but um, the police have been working uh, to capture Buddy in a safe manner. And so there um, have been sightings of him in the past few weeks, but no one's been able to, to capture him because they want to, um, they don't want to kill him. So they're uh, avoiding tranquilizing him and, and they want to capture him as safely as possible. Um, so I'm just picturing this massive beefalo just roaming around, living his, you know, life, having escaped the slaughterhouse. Hiding behind a tree, peeking out. <laughs> you know what strikes me? Well, what strikes me about first, what strikes me about this story is that there's a slaughterhouse in Plymouth, Connecticut. That's a little terrifying. Who knew? No no offense to the people in Plymouth, but but the other thing is, uh, if a thousand pound bison can be, you know, roaming around Connecticut and, and not get caught, to me, that's proof that Sasquatch can actually exist and, 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 and be undetected in this country. So maybe the two stories are related, you're saying, Jeff? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Maybe he's hanging out in Sasquatch's uh, lair. <laughs> so they're not gonna, the other thing, Kaylee, you didn't mention, I think is that, um, it, aren't they going to send if they find if they find Buddy, they're not going to slaughter him. They're going to send him to Florida, right? Yeah, they're actually going to uh, send him down to an animal sanctuary so he can live out his life happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, so I think this sets a really bad precedent. Like you're rewarding bad behavior by sending Buddy on this free trip to Florida. Like hopefully the other bison don't catch catch on to this because then they're all gonna they're all gonna run away. Well, I think the other friends aren't going to be around too long, so. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the funny thing about bison, just to throw a few facts out there, uh, they're actually quite nimble. Um, despite their size, they're fast. They can run almost as fast as horses. So you can see why these people can't catch them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've been known yeah. to jump, jump fences. I mean, it's an amazing yeah. animal, that buffalo. Yeah, nimble. The other thing is, is that this, this, uh, you know, he's still on the, the uh, on the run, and yeah. you know, we just passed Halloween, so he could be anywhere. That's right. Probably yeah. was dressed up. Probably was trick or treating <laughs> out there, and I, I would guarantee that his mom's hiding his chocolate in the egg carton. Yeah, yeah, he probably dressed up in a Sasquatch outfit. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on from that one. Um, this one is pretty interesting. So going back over to Europe um, on Monday in the Netherlands, a train failed to stop and burst past the end of its elevated tracks. But get this, it was actually saved and held in midair by a massive whale's tail sculpture. Talk about some good news there. Sounds like a whale's tail. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they let the train operator go. No one was injured, luckily, um, but it's quite a sight to see. So imagine, you know, an elevated train track and it was supposed to come to a stop at the end and it just kept going. And, you know, by all um, luck of it, the whale's tail just caught it and uh, held it midair, um, suspended. It's completely uncanny. Can you imagine being the engineer and driving that thing, 
and you're you're like my life's over i'm done That's right you close your eyes the thing launches off and all of a sudden you're like you're waiting for the impact and you look around and you're in midair in a whale's tail in a whale's tail that's Which a fortuitous a fortuitous pla placement of a sculpture of a whale's tail yeah oh, it, there's actually two of them kind of like surrounding uh it almost looks like um a bridge with two whale's tails on on one side of it mm -hmm. um so almost as if the whale's tail is coming out of the water but it's it's pretty unique are, are whales a big thing in the netherlands hmm. very good question i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> what i do not know the answer to yeah all right, let's move on. Um, so not obviously not being able to travel has definitely put a damper on, on 2020, but let's continue to talk about some whales here. Um, the humpback whales in Alaska are singing their praises quite literally out in the waters near Alaska. So according to local scientists, this is the first time in human history that we've had the technological ability to listen to these whales in a meaningful way without us interfering. And what I mean by that is cruise ships, pollution in the water, they're actually able to hear these whales and the whales are a lot more um, active and, and quite literally singing. Well, one thing we've learned for sure is that the, uh, the coronavirus has been very tough on the economy, but very good on the environment. And this is a good example of that. That's true. Ron, I have a question for you. If, if a humpback whale sings in the ocean and there are no cruise ships around to hear it, did it make noise? It's a great question, uh, but it leads to another topic, which is the socialization of whales. Yes. Right. You know, with no cruise ships around, uh, with the population kind of, you know, whales, humpback whales soaring, coming back together, uh, the, the, the social interaction um, has picked up as well from the store, yeah. from what I understand from this story. So I can only imagine if, you know, wherever the hangout is for the, uh, for the teenager whales, I mean, I think it's probably picked up quite a bit it's probably thriving yeah i would think yeah kayla didn't didn't you say that um or didn't the story say that the the, uh, the whales use their their singing to attract their to to find their partners is that right yeah so they actually they get louder in order to to and i could be totally wrong so yeah. um this is how i interpreted it from the the article is that yeah they they use their voices in an um just like dolphins do sending out signals mm -hmm. And, and what happens is usually in Alaska, there's, you know, those really popular cruise ships. There's about like a million um, people that come through Alaska in the summertime um, just through cruises. And so when you have all those cruise ships in the water, they're interfering with those signals and then um, it's impacting the, the ecosystem. I, I feel I feel bad for the whales that used to use like they they'd ignore their partner's calls and then they would blame it on the cruise ships. Right, like, oh, well, honey, I didn't hear you. The cruise ships were making too much noise, and now they've got no excuse. John, you're <laughs> home late again. <laughs> you know, the scientists are are really, you know, looking at this from. Um, they're not trying to, you know, eliminate any cruise ships here. That's definitely not the goal, but they're looking to better understand the impact that we have and how we can help eliminate that when cruise ships come back around. Um, but the fact that they're able to, you know, have this really quiet time to listen to the whales, I mean, that's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, well, the, before we put a, a, a bow on this, the other question is, what's with all the whale stories here? And I'm, I'm looking for 
whale wallpaper in Kayla's uh, in Kayla's family room. I'm not seeing it yet. <laughs> Definitely a, a, a whale fan over here. What else you got, Kayla? Let's let's stay on the coronavirus. You know the positive that has come of of this. Um, so ready ready for this one. Um, 14-year-old Anika Shebralu out of Texas recently won the 3M Young Scientist Challenge for, drumroll please, um, a discovery that could provide a potential therapy to COVID-19. That's a big deal. 14 years old. 14, yep. You know, it's really sad that this kid isn't like stuck in her basement, you know, playing PlayStation and binge watching stranger things like all good 14 year olds are doing hey lucky lucky for us she's not jeff right sounds like the coronavirus has baffled scientists around the world we've got a brilliant 14 year old in texas that's uh you know making a whale of a story hey ron you were you you were part of the young scientist challenge when you were 14 years old right mm, i don't think they called it that but something <laughs> similar yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what they called it. Um, so ba so basically, you know, a marketer trying to take a, a scientific article and, and, and regurgitate it, but basically in layman terms, she discovered a molecule that can bind to the spike protein of the virus. And, and by doing this, it completely stops the function of, of the COVID virus. And, and so they're hoping um, you know, she's working on, now she's working with uh, scientists to help develop um, this molecule. Yeah. M meanwhile, you know, meanwhile, most kids can't even discover where their moms are hiding their chocolate. So, you know, this kid's, he's on the right path. Well, interestingly enough, both Jeff and I took drum lessons at 14 from the same guy. That's right. Which yeah. is why he's really good and I'm not all that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it is. It is. Before we leave this, it's. It is good to know that there are still some, uh, some you know, uh, smart, smart kids out there, and you know, they're not all doing stupid stuff. They're using their time wisely, for sure. Yeah. Um, very lucky, and we're, I'm excited to see where where this goes. And honestly, it's not the kids that I'm worried about; it's the adults these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. Who doesn't love a good puppy story? Um, so this one is in Italy. A farmer welcomed a, a litter of five dogs in October, um, but one of them had green fur. Green fur. Yep. So there were five. What, what color were the other ones? The other dogs had white fur. Oh, they were like a like 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 a lab. I don't know. <laughs> Since this is from Italy, I think it'd be a better story if um if it were a green, white, and red striped puppy. Just like the the, uh, <laughs> it's like the Italian flag. Um, why? Uh, before I get into this, why do you think uh, the dog was green? It sounds fraudulent to me. My guess is that the guy colored the dog and thinks he's going to make a million on this strange news story. I think that he was wearing tinted contact lenses that were green, <laughs> but only when he delivered that one puppy. That's right. They think that the puppy came into contact with Beliverdin. It's a it's a pigment in the mother's womb, um, and it turns um, you know dogs that are that are more pale naturally um, 
it binds with them and, and turns it green. And um, that's most notably what causes bruises on our skin to turn green is that pigment. So we have it in, in our bodies as well. Um, oh. But that's what they think is causing at least that one puppy to turn green. I thought bilirubin was like a single malt scotch. <laughs> Very well could be. Uh, so that, so that, that opens up the, the door for the dog being named Bruiser. Sorry to say. Oh yeah, Bruiser. Right? But I'm yes. sure that's not what they did. They actually named him Pistachio, which I just love. Um, but uh, as you know, green is seen as a symbol of luck and hope. So the farmer has actually decided to keep Pistachio for himself. Uh, he gave the other four to go live at different homes, um, but he's going to have them help out on his farm and kind of be a source of happiness for those nearby amidst the uh, pandemic. So what a nice little ending to that story. So is he suspected to stay green his entire life? No, they, they said that the green should wear off. But you know what's interesting? Uh, my cousin had um, a dog that had one blue and one um, brown eye. And they mm. said that as he gets older, he's going to lose that and it's going to go both be um, brown. And to this day, still one bright blue and one brown. So who knows? Yeah, what would be amazing is if he changed colors every couple of years. Right? <laughs> or it was multicolored, kind of like a rainbow, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, one more dog-related story because I couldn't help it. Um, a golden retriever in China walked 62 miles, okay? 62 miles um, to be reunited with her owners after escaping their friend's home who was caring for her while their home underwent renovations. Well, obviously the food must have been really bad at her friend's house. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, well, you, you, sixty-two miles. Like you couldn't find friends closer than sixty-two miles to watch your dog. This is kind of a sad story. Then I'm, I'm reading into this. Did he have a GPS on? On his collar? No. On his iPhone. Just a really smart dog. He he used Waze. Do we know how long it took him? Mm, I don't. Sixty-two days. <laughs> After tirelessly walking for 62 miles, the dog was spotted limping outside an office building. Oh, no, that gets sad. So basically what happens is this dog walks 62 miles. Um, he walks by this, this office building and, and they see him. Um, so they go out and rescue him, not his owners, but people in the office building. And then they took to social media to track down. And through this um, app in China, WeChat, um, within the day, the family had been reunited with their puppy. The, the dog needed to get its steps in for its wellness program. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, if he's wearing a Fitbit, they would have been able to find him. Right. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad it wasn't another whale story, Kayla. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the puppy stories. I had to balance it out, you know. Yeah. We, had, we had a beefalo, we had uh, whales, we had dogs. This story is actually completely unrelated to animals. Um, how do each of you feel about public restrooms? I love public restrooms. Really good questions. I, I, I don't really particularly have an opinion, uh, but friends that I know don't have a high opinion of public restrooms because of their, because of their tipping prowesses. Oh, you're talking about porta potties though, Ron. Well, is that, isn't that the same public restrooms porta potties I don't, I don't know if we're being specific here 
Yeah, why do you ask, Kayla? That's a strange question to ask. Um, so usually, uh, you know, the biggest concerns with those public restrooms that are, you know, at parks or at beaches, so they're not completely porta potties, but they're pretty close in, in grossness. The two biggest concerns there are, one, not knowing if someone's inside it, because you can't see. You have a little, little knob there that says vacant or... Uh... They don't always work. I was actually um, traveling last year and there was a bathroom in an airport that had lights on the ceilings and they would be green or red based on if someone was inside, but half the time it was completely wrong. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you never know. You can't trust those things. Yeah, so, and, and the other concern is just, is it clean? Like, do I wanna go in there? Is it ever clean? Is it ever clean? I would assume never, never clean. They had those little. They had those little signs they put on and say "just cleaned," and you're like, "Oh, that makes me feel a lot better." <laughs> okay, so get this: a group called the Tokyo Toilet Project has taken these two concerns and crafted a public restroom that has one transparent walls, and so you can see right in. You can see the toilet. You can see the mirror. You can see everything. So far, so good. But as soon as someone, you know, goes in to use it and shuts the door and locks it, the room's walls turn opaque, providing that privacy. So that way, when you walk up to it, you can see whether there's some, no, you can't. Well, yeah, if it's, if it's opaque, then you know somebody's in there. Otherwise, you're good right. to go. Yeah, if you can't see in, then it's occupied. But I would be terrified of, of a malfunction. Like, you know, you walk in, like, how do you know it's actually working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if um, I did read a little bit about this story and when you're inside, you can't tell whether it's, it's opaque or not. Oh, so like while, while you're inside, you're kind of wondering, can right. everybody see, <laughs> see yeah. exactly what it is? See, the thing I thought of, Jeff, was and Kayla, you know, what if the opaqueness was on a timer and you really had to go? Oh, right, right. And, uh, I mean, that, you just run out of time. Yeah. You're in the middle of a, of a six-hour drive. You tried to make it as far as you could before you had to, had to stop, right? <laughs> Two cups of coffee and a liter of water. Just happened to be in Tokyo. Right, right. I would not feel comfortable with, <laughs> with that at all. Just happened to be in Tokyo, yeah. They are pretty cool looking. I will give you that. So they look really sleek and modern and, you know, it is a, it's a, it's definitely good intentions all around, you know, being able to right. see inside so that you know how clean or dirty or who's in there. I have yeah. to imagine they're pretty expensive and, and where would you, where would you market these, right? You're not going to market them at the Big E, you know, to so your local fair, kind of expensive, you know, they're going with traditional uh, quarter inch plastic, you know, porta potties. Yeah. But, I mean, a novelty, I guess. It does seem expensive, and for what? Right? Why don't you just fix the locks on the door just to, to so that they work properly every time? Right. Yeah, because yeah. it's not saving the environment at all. Doesn't sound like it. You could see out, well, so it becomes opaque, like people can't see in, but you could still see out? Yeah, that I'm not sure about. Because uh, that, that would make me uncomfortable, too. Oh, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Extremely yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, even if they did fix the lock situation on, on normal public restrooms, you still have the issue of 
not being able to see inside it. Even yeah. if you're not looking for someone, you're looking for like the cleanliness. Oh, oh, so right. you might walk up to it and if you see, you could see before you go in, that doesn't look like the cleanest restroom in the world. And then you, and then you turn away. But to Ron's point, you're in the middle of a six hour drive and, and you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Right. And I'm not quite so, I'm not quite sure that opaque necessarily is equivalent to cleanliness or clean. So I'm not quite sure if they've solved that issue. Right. It, you're right. Unless you could see in still while, while they're cleaning it just to observe the, the, you know, cleaning process. Or if it's a self-clean. Well, now that would be an invention. Well, so they're using, it looks like they're using um, a toilet company called Toto, T-O-T-O, -T -O, all capital. They're famous for its toilets that have features like heated seats, bidets, and deodorizers. So I wonder if they're going to, you know, utilize those toilets in there so that you get the cleanliness um, mm. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem doesn't seem practical, you know, particularly like you couldn't put it at the, it, because Ron's right, I think it sounds expensive, like you couldn't put it in the Connecticut rest areas because, you know, uh, the budget wouldn't allow for it. But it sounds like a work in progress. It sounds like something that uh, could build some momentum if they work on that self-cleaning mechanism on the on the inside. Um, yeah. You know, and just like like all technology, it gets cheaper over time. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you've got the 14 year old girl in Texas that's actually working on something that, <laughs> that's useful out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. What else, Kay? You got anything else? In Connecticut. So bringing it back local for our last story. Um, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Westport had a nine foot by 20 foot painting to see they were seeking out to be the Guinness World Record after um, having this massive, you know, just massive white canvas that visitors could come and help paint. And so they were trying to get the largest abstract painting. And so they're, they've submitted it now to the Guinness World Record, um, but it hasn't, hasn't officially been approved yet, but it sounds like it's going to be because I think the, the one that currently is running or has the record was nine foot by like 17 feet. And so this one's nine foot by 20. Proving the point that abstract paintings are <laughs> right that anybody could do an abstract painting well it's, well it's funny you say that jeff because um the the artist at hand here she told the westport news that was reporting this that um her theory behind you know why she was doing all this is that you don't have to have any training to be an ab abstract um painter so that's kind of what she was going for right so yeah i was right Exactly. Well, I, what I think is interesting too is, so I, I went on to the Guinness World Records website to see if it's gone through yet. And the amount of just random, like world records that are out there under painting. I mean, I, so I searched largest abstract painting and I got um, 750 results and it was like largest paint chip, largest abstract painting. There was just so many different ones. And it was just funny how many world records it begs the question like how many world records do we have yeah i want to know how much uh, how much guinness pays guinness book pays for those world records i mean what what's in it for the uh, for the guinness book world record holder right right and what's the what's the uh, uh the, the reason to keep trying to be 
the uh, or have the world's record, whether it's abstract paintings or everything, anything else. Uh, I, I am a stick figure guy. I have never been uh, good at the visual arts. Yeah, I won't even touch that one. I did hear a story on the news this morning, Kayla, that uh, uh, coffee drinkers versus folks who don't drink coffee tend to have more patience in problem solving, which seems to be a bit odd to me. And I was doing this as I was drinking my 20 ounce cup of, cup of highly caffeinated coffee. Um, but uh, I would find that kind of flies in the face of, of the definition of caffeine. So I found it interesting. What do you guys think about that? So that's counterintuitive to me as well, Ron. You, you would think that the more coffee you drink, the less patience you have. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the same thing. Like if you're drinking coffee, it's because you want to wake up and you want to be more energetic. And so maybe you're not being patient in nature. So the fact that you'd be more patient in problem solving. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if Buddy the Beefalo drinks coffee. <laughs> well, I, for one, uh, am, am very happy to have, have spent, you know, 45 minutes talking about utter nonsense and, uh, and forgetting about all the world's problems. It feels good to, to smile and laugh, especially this week. Well, we can't stop. We got to stop long enough not to forget that that's extremely important in our lives, right? Yes, that's right. All right. Well, that's a wrap, everybody. And as always, thank you for taking the time out of your day to escape the noise uh, and, and stressfulness. Hopefully laugh a little and learn something new about what's going on in our world. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to let us know by leaving a review. And thanks again for tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits.